Welcome to the More Tea Vicar podcast uh, from B&A Church in Bristol with James Stevenson and Wayne Massey. This is a podcast about culture, theology and life, hopefully helping you to follow Jesus better and make a difference in the lives of others. Hello, James. Hi, Wayne. How are you? I'm okay. So we are, you're just packing down Love Christmas. Yeah. So you've been working and others really hard for the last few weeks. Yes. Um, Rest of the year I have off. Yeah, yeah, you don't, yeah. (laughs) Except Sundays. Yeah, but even then I do most of the work on Sundays. Yeah, so, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, we're not going to talk about you. I even have a mug that says, keep calm and drink more tea, vicar. I thought you'd like that. Yeah. Right. So what we're going to talk about today, so Love Christmas um, has been a pretty amazing thing. We're joining in with churches across the country to give away a million bags of boxes of kind of hope and kindness. And we've done that through um, the gifts and generosity of so many people and the hard work of so many people. In the last months, but you said something interesting on Sunday morning at the big pack when we packed most of the bags and boxes. What yes. was it you said? Can you, can you remember? I can remember. So on Sunday morning, I woke up and we'd been hearing all this stuff about how amazing it had been, and and we'd been, I'd been talking about how amazing it had been, and and you know, it felt a little bit like a um, a, a love in going on. And then I just, I woke up and had a verse from Psalm 119. Not to us, not to us, but to you, Lord, um, be the glory, um, which is actually one of the psalms that I used to sing regularly when I was in a choir. Um, and so I remember it. Um, I, I remember it from those days. And, and just that. You're going to sing it now? No, I'm not. Um, uh, but um, the. And I carried that into the day that it would have been really easy for us to have approached um, Sunday and the big pack. Um, at BNA with actually this is we're stealing from the glory that actually belongs to God because it's it's him it's him that's moved in people's hearts to want to give it's him that's opened doors so that we might give um and it's him that's moved in people's hearts to want to pack um and it's him that um provoked in people's hearts the the need to respond to the pandemic would love your neighbour, which then became love Christmas this time last year. So it, it's all about him and for him. Um, and and it'd be really easy to actually to turn it back on itself and to say, well, you know, this is just us. This is who we are. And we're just nice, kind people. And, and the world around us wants to say that to us. Yes. Um, because that's all they know to do, because they don't know the one to whom we want to give glory. So many of the listeners uh, hopefully will know the name Matthew Shannon, who's a yeah. member of B&A uh, as our kind of heads up worship and operations. And Matthew's kept making the point is we need to make sure this isn't Red Nose Day. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because yeah. Red Nose Day is, oh, look yeah. what we've been able to do. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whereas yeah. actually we're saying, actually, look what God has done through us. Yeah, yeah. Um, and that's, it, yeah, so you've picked up something there about like people's hearts being moved to to give in a way or to serve in a way they might never have done before. And and it's not that actually, you know, I did an extra box today for one of the primary schools and the lady receiving it was so grateful and, and grateful to us. And there's nothing wrong in her gratitude to us. But if we don't keep pointing back to God, we will allow our hearts to be inflated with other people's praise. Um, and we will be taking away from him what rightly belongs to him, not to us, not to us, but to you be the glory. Um, and, and I think it... it, it that speaks into um, what we're going to talk about today in terms of giving, that actually um, we can give and give the same amounts um, uh, or the same percentages 
um, and give it from a very different heart attitude. We talk about being more blessed to give than to receive. And, and it's easy when you're being really generous in moments like Love Christmas that we're more blessed because people are saying really nice things about us. But I'm pretty sure that when Jesus said um, to, um, to the disciples and the way it was quoted again by Paul before the church in Ephesus in Acts chapter 20, that when he said it's more blessed to give than to receive, Paul wasn't thinking that Jesus was going to say, you're going to become really popular because you give loads of stuff away. Yeah. So, so okay, so let's talk about, we're going to talk about financial giving. Yeah. And we're going to talk about the role of financial giving in the life of a follower of Jesus. Yeah. Um, just as you're listening, I'm aware that this is a subject that actually is usually the one that gets most people cross. Yes. So if you listen to this and if in the next 15 minutes we say something that winds you up, pause at that point. Yeah. And ask God why you feel wound up. Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm just going to put it out there. Generally, when people get wound up at this, it's usually more about the person who is wound up than what has been said. Yes. Now, you might now already be wound up, but that's generally yeah. how it is. Yeah. Um, the reason that is the case, there's a wonderful writer called Tim Keller, and he talks about how money is not an idol in the Western world. It's what we use to feed our idols. Indeed. And so his point is that actually it's not money in itself is the problem it's what we do with the money that we've got that reveals where the idols in our hearts lie or where the, the things that we rely on for identity and self-worth are and so so how we use our money is like a it's like a massive kind of diagnostic tool to what's going on in our heart Keller says which is why when in church we talk about money people get cross and I'm not I'm not excusing myself from that as well um because there'll be a whole range of uh, emotions and experiences and, and stories around all of this. And, but actually, if we don't talk about it, we're doing ourselves a big disservice. Indeed. So it's really, it, just to give a practical example, um, it's really easy for people in our shoes um, to have made the decision not to live um, an expensive lifestyle and to have taken the sacrificial decision to have become um, uh, a member of the clergy but then to spend what they can spend on filling their bookshelves with um, lots and lots of really good books. And <laughs> I'm looking a bit sheepish but, <laughs> Which, and both of us have got, happen to have full bookshelves. I don't think either of those bookshelves are an idol to us, but, but actually I know my I'll own speak heart. Yourself. It's, it's, I know, <laughs> I like I know that it's easy for yeah. that to become an idol. And then what I would spend um, uh, would be... Um, books and books above other things and I might think about spending books before I might thinking about blessing somebody else and, and that's a just so it's not about quantity it's about yeah. what's going on in your heart and that's so that's a practical example of what you mean when you say it's not money isn't an idol but it feeds the idol the things that become important and as you say every bank statement is a theological statement that's a good phrase. So let's let, let's let's race through. Um, I've got. I think I've got four key points that I'd love okay. everybody to pick on. Number one is um, what you do with your money. Your financial giving is a key part of your discipleship. Yeah. Um, we're not we're not siloed beings. We are whole, uh, integral beings. And and there is a there is a principle around how we live our lives. I I was drawn to Philippians chapter two. You know the humility of Jesus. You know. Um, so. Paul's talking about our relationships with one another, but he talks about having the same mindset as Jesus, who being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. Rather, he made himself nothing, taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself 
by becoming obedient to death, even death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place, giving him the name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, in heaven and earth and under the earth, and every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, to the glory of God the Father. But actually, the, the one that we follow has made himself a servant. So he's taken all of the riches of, of eternity mm. and has cast them aside to serve you and me. And that is the life of a disciple, is to make ourselves a servant of others. Mm. Firstly to God and then to one another. Yes. And, and actually for us to go, well, I'll do that with my time, or I might do that in, my, in work, but I won't do that with my money, is actually... Um, the Bible doesn't allow for that. We are whole beings. And so, so there is an attitude that we need to take into everything in our life. So how I use my time, um, how I use my skill and my ability, um, how I use my money. That is going, have I got the mindset of Jesus, which is actually to lower myself, to humble myself uh, and to put others first. Yes. So C.S. Lewis makes a lovely point about Christians and money is that um, every Christian should be living a couple of rungs down the ladder yeah. from where they would be otherwise yeah. because they're giving their money away. And, and as you said, that happens at all levels. So I, I know somebody who works for a city banker who, and his, his city banker, he runs an estate, he manages an estate for this city banker. And this city banker has a partner who's a, who's a born again Christian. And uh, the person I know said, oh, my, my, my boss's partner doesn't have a, like a Scottish or an Irish country estate. Um, he's only got a house in London and a house in France. And, uh, and, and I asked my, my boss why, and he, he said he rolled his eyes and he said, oh, he's a Christian, he gives a load of his money away. <laughs> and so even there's this guy, you know, with his yeah. place in Saint-Tropez, probably still got yeah. a private jet, but actually he's still living rungs yeah. down the ladder from where yeah. he was. And that's, and so C.S. Lewis's first point is, you know, C.S. Lewis's point there is that actually when everybody looks at their lives, they're going, ooh, they should, they should, they should be able to live, drive yeah. a better car, have a bigger house, have better holidays. Everything about them should be like, why, why, why do they live a few rungs down? So it's about our discipleship, and it's yep. about the attitude that we take into life. Um, there's a really famous passage about giving in um, Paul's second letter to the Corinthians. Um, do you remember this one, James? The Lord loves a cheerful giver. Yeah, so remember this, he says, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly. So he's on about giving here. Mm. Whoever sows generously will also reap generously. He's not a Pentecostal. He's not saying if you give away 10 pounds, you're yeah. going to get 20 back. Yeah. But then there's this, each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. The word cheerful there in the Greek doesn't really mean cheerful. It means the kind of person who kind of is, is laughing so loud because they can't quite believe what they've done. Yeah. It's that kind of like, it's a hilarious giver. Actually, I can't believe I've given away that much. Yeah. Um, and I think the, the, the two things that jump out there is, is, that, is that actually our financial giving is planned. So decide in your heart. Yeah. Not reluctantly or under compulsion. So actually you decide what you're going to give and do it. But then the second one is it's sacrificial. So we at B&A talk about the tithe. What's the tithe, James? The tithe is giving away 10% of your income. Yeah. Um, and is that a New Testament principle? It's a whole Bible principle. A whole Bible principle. So it's, it's an Old Testament requirement under the law. Yeah. But in the New Testament, it's kind of a principle the church picked up. But in the New Testament, it's kind of replaced by... By well, it's radical the, uh, sacrificial yeah, yeah, they giving. Don't, they don't. I'm not sure that the tithe is is it mentioned explicitly in the New Testament. But but actually, if you, if you're going to go down that route, then then um, all the believers that um, held everything in held common. everything in common, and people were selling fields yeah. um, for for the the church. Um, so it was 
Um, yeah. the, so, tithe, the tithe is, is, as you would say, is base camp in comparison yeah. to where so the, the legal, New Testament the Old was. Testament legal requirement of the tithe is replaced by radical sacrificial generosity yeah. in the New Testament. So what we talk about at B&A is we talk about the tithe like base camp Everest. Yeah. If you're climbing Everest, you need to get to base camp, but you don't stay there, you push on. And so as you're listening to this, you might be working yourself up to base camp, yeah. but you, or you might be pushing on. But what none of us should ever do is settle at base camp. Yeah, and 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 so so what Paul is saying is decide what to give, and be be radically sacrificial, um, and you can do that because actually what it, this is why it's about our discipleship because it's a statement of faith saying God I trust you mm. with your money that you've given to me. Yes, um, I trust you are enough, and I trust yeah. And so, uh, as the um, old alternative service book prayer um, uh, pre communion prayer. Um, uh, all things come from you, and of your own do we give you. Yeah, yeah, as I like that line. Um, but I think, and so that's what, so, so, and, and it's, if I was going to be, if I was going to critique Anglicanism, I think tithing is a problem for Anglicans because we've got this inherited wealth. Mm. And so Anglicans generally aren't brilliant at tithing. No. If you've come to faith in the free church, it's just seen as, as base level. Entry yeah. level giving is you tithe. Yeah in the free church because yeah. and, and, otherwise it doesn't exist because otherwise it doesn't exist yeah. whereas Anglicans have got used to living off kind of assets yeah. and wealth and so, it's planned. so it's, it's planned it's, and it's sacrificial it's, it's sacrificial yeah and, um, it's for everybody do you, yeah. remember, do you remember the very the famous story I'm trying to find it here she is Mark chapter 12 the widow's offering yes so the uh, so rich people threw in large amounts but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins Jesus said truly I tell you this poor widow poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she out of her poverty put oh, yeah. in everything, all she had to live on. So what's the principle there, James? I don't know, you tell me. <laughs> well, it's for everyone. So some of us yeah. will sit there and go, like you and I might go, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. well, we've yeah. already sacrificed, we've given yeah. up our careers. But actually it's with what you've got, be radically sacrificial. Yes, and so, there's, so having been in a place of poverty when we were young, um, and I was um, volunteering full time at our local church. It's really easy to slip into an attitude where you want to be on the receiving end of other people's giving, but exclude yourself from it. Um, and um, and actually, there's a lie that it it is easier to be more generous the more you have. And actually, if you talk to people who are wealthy, you'll see that. Their journey to generosity began not when they had lots, but when they had less. There's been an article this week that has said in the last that that uh, the, the wealthy in this country have been less have got less generous, and that actually the less money you earn, the more like the more generous you are likely to be. Yeah. So that's the other thing is 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 wealth does not create generosity. It actually creates increased greed and selfishness. And and, and that's that's studies have proven that. And the further down um, the food chain you go, you'll often find that those um, amongst whom um, uh, soul food will be sharing a meal tonight, um, the the most vulnerable um, financially um, are amongst the more generous. And this time last year when somebody was given a Love Christmas box, his response was to go to a cash machine to get £50 out, which for him was a lot of money and to give it to the love christmas campaign hmm. um so it is for everyone it doesn't matter what financial state you are in you are capable of being generous 
um, with what you have, and in this case, with what you don't have. So it's the same thing as the widow has done what Paul says to the Corinthian church, decide in your heart, yeah. and then is acted. Yeah. Um, and so, so she's been a, a cheerful and hilarious giver, you know, as yeah. Paul would have recognised And it. somebody, let's remember, who had no power to earn. Yeah. So it's not as if she was giving and then with the, then the possibility of going out to earn as a widow, she was an economic outsider. So we've just going back. So, so, so your financial giving is part of your whole life discipleship. Yeah. You can't park it in another camp and say, I choose to give through my time yeah. or whatever. It's yeah. what you do with your money um, says a lot about your heart. So it's yeah. part of your discipleship. Paul tells us that we should sit down and prayerfully plan and decide in our heart what to give. Yeah. And when we give, it should be a kind of a hilarious amount that we can't believe that we're doing. We should be radically yeah. sacrificial. Um, and this is for everybody. We saw that, like, with the, you know, whether you're a widow or whether you're uh, an investment banker, you yeah. know, um, as Bob Dylan says in Slow Train to Coming, you, you might be the ambassador to France, you might be a king, da da da, but you've got to have to serve somebody. And actually, so everybody gets, we all have to serve somebody. And if we're serving Jesus, this is one of the ways we serve him. Now, I'm going to land with a little bit of a challenge, if I might. There is, um, there's a book of the Old Testament called yeah. Malachi. Yes. Um, which is the last book of the Old Testament. Yes. And uh, so there... Everyone loves the end of chapter four because he's going to turn the hearts of the fathers to the children and the children to the fathers. They're less keen on chapter three. Yeah, chapter three. Basically, um, he, he talks about how um, the people uh, of God have broken, are breaking their covenant with him through two, two things. So the first bit, he talks about how they've perpetuated injustice. Yeah. So that's, that's a, probably a podcast for another day. How is the church? Yeah. Do we perpetuate, enable perpetuating justice? But then he, in, in the second half chapter, he talks about how they're breaking their covenant with God by withholding the tithe. So verse 6, I, the Lord, do not change. Um, Ever since the time your ancestors, you've turned away from my decrees and you've not kept them. Return to me and I will return to you. But, you know, mm. um, and he says, will a mere mortal rob God, yet you rob me? And, they, and he says, and yet you ask, how are you robbing me? And the Lord says, in tithes and offering, you're under a curse, the whole nation, because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, mm. that there may be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will not be enough room to store it. Now, we as New Testament Christians love grace. We have yes. been forgiven by grace. There is level ground at the foot of the cross. We have been given eternity, and we are not under a workspace righteousness. So what we then tend to do is we then tend to park, especially the God of the Old Testament bits, where he challenges his people. Yes. And go, well, you know, that's, he's, that's before Jesus. <laughs> um, and, and, but actually Jesus talks about you are the vine. Yeah. I'm the vine, you are the branches. And that which does not bear fruit, I prune. Yeah. And so actually we know that God is active in his judgment yeah. with his Thanks church and with yeah. his people to call us to holiness and yeah. to enable his kingdom to extend. Yeah. And I think it will be a miss of us not to say, I wonder, I wonder, when I say I wonder, I don't wonder. I believe that actually when we withhold financially, mm. um, it hampers our discipleship and we should expect the pruning and the loving correction of the Lord in that. Yes, and, the, and also we should expect the absence of his miraculous provision. Yeah. So um, will I not open the floodgates of heaven, which is probably a, a, um, a reference to, um, to rain that would enable crops to yeah. 
grow. So, for example, let's take the whole of the Church of England. If everybody in the Church of England tithed, the Church of England would have a vicar in every parish. I yes. think it would be it would be yeah. it would be an immense amount of money. Yeah. And so, so in a funny sense, we're looking for the Lord to act miraculously across this nation when actually all anybody needs to do is change what they do with their wallets. Yes. It's not actually in a funny sense, the miracle there is changed hearts. Yes. Um, and so, actually, I think we've all got to. As if you consider yourself a mature follower of Jesus. You've got to sit down and go, am I treating my finances as part of my discipleship? Am I planning what I'm giving? Am I being radically generous? And am I leaning in with my heart to the level I should? And if I'm not, am I prepared, or are we as a church prepared to face the loving rebuke of the Lord? Mm. And maybe, as you said, the absence of some of the miraculous provision that would come in addition to that. Yes. I think I've said this before in conversation with others um, and even publicly that um, yours and, and Wendy's influence on myself and Nikki in the area of giving has been something for which we're deeply grateful and actually it's not something that's talked about but just the quiet way in which you've gone about it over the years has been an example to us as it is to other people. But And I think actually I would want to admit in this setting that Perhaps the reason why I needed to hear not to us, not to us, but to you, Lord, be the glory, is that actually this is still an area of my life where I am growing and I know that I need God to, to do that work. And, and the people that we see who can steward um, safely um, works of the Lord that involve significant amounts of money um, are people who have a humility that means that actually they know that they're doing the stuff you've described today in the background in their own hearts and they know that actually it is about humility and sacrifice and love and 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 because of those things it is not about taking glory for ourselves because we know that actually the only way that it can be done is in him and um, so I, I, that was i didn't expect to bring that to the end of this but hopefully that puts some texture on it in terms of your think those of you who are listening you're thinking about what it means to take the next steps in, in discipleship and to ensure that actually as God as we as we learn to follow Jesus together we don't end up um, falling into a trap of wanting to take glory for ourselves but always turning learning turning towards him and making sure that he's the one that receives the glory yeah and if anything um, listen maybe you want to listen to this again pray your way through it um, and if you've got any questions come and find come and find us because actually this is something the church has never been very good at talking about money and we we don't want to be those people we're aware there might be people listening who um actually you're sitting here going i'm trapped in debt though um, and we'd love to talk to you yeah. um because um there are great christian organizations that help people escape that yeah. which is a very you know it's not a godly thing to be stuck in debt but it but it's a godly thing to try and get out of it and there are ways out so so don't feel alone come and find us um and as I said, um, if you have found yourself wound up at any point, do step one might be asking the Lord to show you why that, why? Because it, it might be something I've said or James has said, or it might be an idol in your heart. Um, and, and if it is, the Lord wants to deal with that. So thank you for listening to this episode of More Tea Vicar. And we hope you enjoyed it. And if you did, share it with someone else.